I think we're in a better position than we were last year. Uh, I think sentiment is going in the right direction. I think we're, we're, we're going forward with optimism, albeit cautiously. Um, we don't like to see these spikes in the market, but any any appreciations are, are most welcome. And that has been reflected, I think, in, in, in milk checks most recently in, in the last week or so. Hello, I'm James Dunn, and you're welcome to The Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast, where we bring you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. Coming off the back of the highs of 2022, the production year of 2023 seen a sharp market correction in milk price. Plenty of farmers are budgeting forward and one question which is always asked is the market outlook for the current year. I'm joined by Board B at Dairy Ingredients Sector Manager Margaret Butler to give some insight into just that. We last year exported 1.6 million tonnes of dairy products directly from Ireland and those products went to over 140 markets worldwide. So, you know, we are a significant, we've got a significant export footprint um, and in terms of where those products go, um, if we look at the main importing markets, so 6% went to North America and Canada, um, about 2% to Latin America, 60% of those exports go to Europe. Um, so a really significant market for us. Um, to Africa, we exported around 15%, 4% here to the Middle East, where I'm actually dialing in from at the moment, and 12% to Asia, which the, the combined markets within Asia. Yeah, I guess in terms of their priority or or, or or how important one is to the other, that really depends. Um, I suppose on your on your on your stance as to if you are an exporter, for example, what products are in your portfolio and what products are are in your mix. But even just looking at those statistics, you can see that Europe stands out um, fairly distinctly there, with sixty percent of direct exports going to to the European market. How would they have changed over time? Or are you seeing trends, Margaret, in terms of maybe how they're changing over time? Um, yeah. Like, is the, is the market changing um, in terms of the markets that we're actually, actually exporting into? Yeah, no, they definitely have. And look, I suppose since 2015 and since the abolition of, of quotas in Europe, um, I guess one, one of the tasks that the industry, the Irish industry, took upon themselves, I guess, was, you know, with potentially extra milk um, coming at us, where would that extra milk go? Um, and they, I guess, you know, also um, on foot of Brexit, which followed thereafter, there would have been, you know, a lot of considerations about maybe de-risking or diversifying maybe um, from 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 uh, maybe a reliance on the UK market as well. So we've seen increases certainly to like the likes of Asian markets like Japan, where, you know, 10, 15 years ago, we had a very, very limited uh, footprint. And now the industry has grown significant business there, particularly in cheese, but also in other products and butters and powders as well, for example. Um, across the Middle East, we've seen significant growth as well. In fact, it was one of our highest performing um, regions last year, both in value and volume terms. So last year alone, the Irish dairy, ex- the Irish dairy industry exported about 106,000 tonnes to the combined markets of the Middle East, which was up, I think, around 50% nearly uh, on the previous year. Um, we've seen a lot of... Um, Products obviously still go into those established markets, which are still exceptionally important. Um, so I'm talking now about the likes of North America, um, specific uh, markets or countries within Europe. So the likes of Germany, the UK, as I mentioned, for example. But also we've seen significant increases over the last 10 or 15 uh, years of exports from Ireland going to markets in West Africa, for example. Um, so, yeah, we have we have seen certainly um, a change of, of portfolio. And, you know, a lot of people talk about China within the Asian context and still a very important market for us. 
but we would, uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners will be aware that you know the the the, the market for infant formula has has changed there in recent years. Um, that's not all negative by any stretch. Our industry, you know, they still remain exceptionally agile, and you know we we see other opportunities in in that region as well, particularly in the likes of. Um, uh, the likes of adult nutrition, life stage nutrition, and indeed into those really value-added um, products like um, sports nutrition, um, and even potentially in the future, you know, uh, um, products that kind of meet specific um, medical needs or you know have specific health health callouts or health claims. Mm. You mentioned that space of value added um, and a lot of farmers would hear in terms of industry, in terms of there's been a lot of growth in terms of obviously in terms of our our, our middle pool since 2015 since since quotas were removed um but maybe a lot more of the conversation now is actually adding value to the to that milk pool that that is being produced um can you just maybe explain what's happening in that space because i think maybe for farmers to understand that you know ultimately how do we add value in terms of product and is that likely to have an impact on farm gate milk prices? Yeah, and you're absolutely right. We we hear an awful lot about you know a move from volume to value, um, and that's absolutely where where the industry has um, has been for the last number of years. And I guess really what that means is you know dairy is a commodity, so we we operate in a commodity space, and as such, and given you know the fact that we are a net exporter, and you know we talked earlier about um, the various different markets that we export to. We are, um, you know, we are very much influenced by the macro factors that happen. And, you know, sometimes they can be to our advantage and sometimes to our disadvantage, unfortunately, as was, you know, the case last year um, with the milk, uh, with with market returns, um, not, I suppose, being where they were for um, the previous number of years. But in terms of, I suppose, what we mean when we say adding value or value added, essentially, you know, you're, you're trying to take what is a product that, you know, plays in a space for want of a better description in a commodity market and you're trying to customize that so you're trying to make something that is you know for again for want of a better phrase freely available you want to make that as niche as possible and the way that you one of the ways certainly that you can do that and this is what our industry has done very well over the last number of years is to really understand the markets that they are um want to invest in uh, and inherently uh, to really understand, you know, what consumers in those markets want. So it's about meeting those demands and those requirements for the, from those consumers, because, you know, effectively, if those if those um, uh, consumers are looking for a certain type of a product or maybe it could be like a fortified product, for example, or functionality is, is a key piece for, for the dairy products that we export. All that information is highly val- valuable and will and should infer that, you know, uh, what goes what was maybe once a commodity product now is seen as a value product that can be really used in whatever channel you're talking about. So, for example, for an ingredients channel, so I'm talking about bulk product that goes into a market for further manufacture, you'll hear a lot of conversations around functionality. So people will, you know, customers will buy product based on that product's ability to function for whatever application or end use they intended for. And that's true of, you know, um, all products across, you know, the three main categories of butters, powders and cheeses. Um, so, so really, that's what we're talking about when we talk about value add. It's about responding to the needs and the demands and the wants, indeed, of of the market and being able to supply that from Irish dairy. In effect, is that a short term thing, Margaret? In terms of, you know, is that is that in the next two years, three years? Is that something that has to be worked on over six, seven, eight year, ten year period? Like, when yeah. are farmers maybe likely to ultimately see that? 
um, deliver in terms of farm gate milk price, or maybe it's delivering already. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I, th- I think it is, but I think it is a bit of both. This is a continuum, if you like. It's, it's something, you know, I, I don't see, I don't think any of the, the dairy processors or exporters are going to change their mind and, and, and turn away from value add. Um, it is all about, as I said, moving away from volume and focusing on value. And, and, and that's something that the industry have been doing for quite some time now in terms of, I suppose, you know, the question about whether that has come to fruition or whether it will come to fruition. I, I, like, I think it has come to fruition. Um, you know, it, it's very difficult maybe to, you know, to, to put a price point on it. But as I mentioned earlier, we're we're now competing in markets where, you know, we weren't um, maybe this time 10 years ago or certainly not at the same sort of level. So, you know, we are, um, we are, I suppose, competing with the best of them in the likes of um, Southeast Asia, which traditionally would have been, um, you know, a market for the likes of the Oceanian uh, uh, suppliers. But, you know, we are there now and and certainly from talking to both industry here and also uh, customers there, we are recognised as well for our credentials in terms of how we farm. So I think it is paying off and I think it will into the future. But, you know, the 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 industry here are absolutely uh, steadfast in they, they want to be in that space and they want to partner with um, customers in these markets. You know, so there's a lot of obviously dairy that is traded around the world. But the closer you can get to the end customer or the end consumer is where you will really understand what those needs are and hopefully partner with them well into the future. But I guess you have to start maybe slow and build up. Um, but I don't see it as something that's going to switch off overnight. Very good. You mentioned it there in terms of maybe we'll, we'll switch back to, to the more immediate outlook in a moment in terms of for 2024. But our sustainability credentials, because it's one question yeah. I did want to ask in terms of, I suppose, what are what ultimately are 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 the buyers um and maybe is is are the buyers and the consumers on the one page in terms of what's actually required and obviously in terms of we rank very highly in terms of our credentials on on the world market um how is that how is that given us a positive in terms of the marketplace yeah well look i suppose we we would absolutely consider it as a key positive differentiator um you know that irish dairy has has these credentials and the way in which we dairy you know, differs from a lot of maybe our competitors, if you like, that are that are out there. Um, in terms of, I suppose, you know, a rating or a ranking or a prioritization, if you like, that does vary um, from market to market. And I guess we there is a body of work that you know is consistently being done, but we still have to do into the future. And you know, I, I mentioned the likes of maybe the, you know the combined markets of Southeast Asia and the likes of Japan. Sometimes the message there is, you know, you know, it, it's an educational piece in the first instance about what is Ireland, where is it? Because a lot of these consumers have, you know, they have never, you know, they obviously have, a lot of them have never been to Ireland, let alone know how we dairy. So, you know, there's this whole piece around educating and making sure that people understand how we do um, dairying in Ireland and indeed where we are and what we stand for. Um, so, you know, markets are becoming more discerning. Um, we get a lot of inquiries from, you know, established markets, absolutely. So, again, the likes of North America and markets within Europe where we've had a footprint for quite some time. For those markets, definitely, you know, like ourselves in Ireland, the sustainability piece is probably um, at the moment uh, being spoken about a lot more fluently than maybe some of the other markets. But, you know, we all we, I think as an industry, we would feel that it's all trajecting in the same direction. And I guess to your question on, you know, whether customers and consumers, if you like, are, are on the same page, I I, I think they, they probably by and large are. Um, but again, as I said earlier, we are dealing in a commodity space here. So sometimes 
And we're, we're just, you know, we've come off the back of a fairly difficult and volatile two or three or four years at this stage. So at times, I guess, you know, different priorities will take precedence. So, you know, we've, we've, I think we all know about food inflation and inflation in general over the last couple of years. So if you're, a, you know, if you are an importing nation and you are, um, you know, you, you are reliant on dairy to complement your, 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 your diet or your existing dairy, um, your existing dairy industry, you know, your ability to be able to purchase products, sometimes it will, you know, your, your criteria on where you purchase from, sometimes it will come down to price. And, and that is the reality. And I don't, I think it would be, you know, it would be unfair maybe to, to suggest otherwise, but certainly the, um, the, if you like them, I'll call it the move, but in, but now it's, it's very much entrenched in many people, people's minds in many markets that they want to buy from a sustainable source and they want to buy from a source um, of dairy that, you know, is continuing to, um, inverted commas, do the right thing or however you want to phrase it in terms of um, the environment and, you know, husbandry and, and all of those factors. Absolutely. And in terms of, I think what we have in terms of the Board B Equality Assurance requirements, I think, you know, sets us apart to a lot of countries. Is it fair to say that? Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. And I suppose, you know, this is, you know, it, it can get very frustrating at times because, you know, you, you have a lot of countries saying a lot, or, you know, a lot of uh, countries, I guess, yeah, saying a lot of uh, things. And I guess one difficulty is that, you know, maybe we're not all singing off the same hymn sheet. So when, you know, when we, you know, go out with our credentials, at le- we have a, you know, we have a, a back catalogue, if you like. So, you know, we can, you know, attest to the proof points that we have put in place um, in respect of Irish dairy. Um, I'm not sure that other countries necessarily have the, the, the same level of of data as as it were, but but certainly, you know, I think we're 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 justified in saying what we say and going out with those messages that we do. Very good. In terms of you mentioned in terms of the volatility and obviously um all farmers will be um acutely aware as to as to what happened in twenty twenty two, but ultimately as a result in terms of the market correction that was seen in, in 2023. Can you maybe just outline why that was and, and what happened in the markets and, and we we'll look forward then to, to 2024? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, so I guess the first thing I'd say is, and look, I've said it already, but so dairy doesn't operate in a vacuum and it is, we are operating in a commodity. So as, as such, we are, you know, there, there will be headwinds and tailwinds in any given year. Um, that will affect the competitiveness um, and the ease of doing business. Um, the other thing I'd say from from an Irish perspective, and we talked about the figures at, at the start of this conversation, but we are a major net exporter. We export, the figures vary now, but you know probably north of 90% of what we produce. So we're heavily reliant on the key fundamentals of supply and demand. So you know if demand peters off, it will have an effect most likely on ourselves as as that big exporter of dairy but also on the the other major um exporters of dairy you know that the, they talk about the big five and you know th- these are kind of the metrics that everyone looks at supply and demand so i guess when we look back over the last three or four years so i guess when we look back to maybe this time 2020 uh we were just probably living in ignorant bliss maybe at this point in time um, because obviously none of us knew the the ramifications of, of COVID-19 and the pandemic. So, um, you know, on the, at first when, when, when COVID happened, I guess, um, you know, there was a, there was a significant dip in dairy prices and you had people, you know, talking about all sorts of things from private storage aid again to intervention. And thankfully none of those things happened, but what actually did happen was, and it was a result of probably two things, um, 
well, one main factor really uh, was buyers had to change the way in which they procure or purchase uh, product largely for fear that they would be left short. Such were the um, the the, uh, the the challenges around supply chains and logistical channels being closed off, again, a direct result of the pandemic. What that did was um, it drove prices nearly to echelons where they had never been before. Um, now, prices have spiked before, uh, and that's fair to say, and absolutely that's, no, that's nothing new in dairy. But what was new at that time was that usually you'd have a product that would spike within the product mix of dairy. So usually, for example, butter might spike and skim might not, or vice versa. Back in 2020 and throughout a prolonged period into 2021 and 2022, we saw nearly all uh, dairy products um, increase um, in cadence with each other. And if you look at any of the, the indices or you know the historical price data, you can see that quite clearly. So that in itself was very unusual. So so a very difficult situation for, um, to be fair, processors and exporters to, to manage. But, you know, I suppose you could say happily at that time, it did mean that because there was such pent up demand against relatively, you know, at that time, flat supply, um, the fundamentals of supply and demand were weighted uh, in the on the demand side. In other words, there was an awful lot of um, um, customers, if you like, looking for a product and they were willing to pay for it. And they did at those very, very high prices. Um, and that in turn was reflected in the milk check. What then happened, I guess, and a lot of things happened in that period of time. I mean, we had the, the outbreak of war in Ukraine. Um, you know, we had the pandemic obviously still ongoing um, uh, at, at different levels in many regions of the world and many of the, those that we export directly to. But you also had, um, I guess, uh, effectively, uh, sorry, food inflation as well. I knew the, the third one, food inflation was, was a huge um, consideration. It still is for many markets. But certainly throughout last year and to the latter half of the previous year, it was a major consideration. So in other words, people's ability um, to um, buy certain products was somewhat diminished. And dairy was also, uh, I guess, one of those, those products of those categories that was affected by that. So, you know, we've, we've talked about the current 2020 into 2021. And if you bring it up to 2022, certainly up to around the summer of 2022, we did see initially, I guess, maybe a, a stabilization in prices. But from, I would say, maybe a summer, uh, certainly into the autumn and, and into the winter of 2022, you know, there, there was definitely a more bearish um, leaning sentiment for dairy. In other words, prices were coming down and demand wasn't there to, you know, to, to meet it at a certain level where prices could be sustained. And as you rightly say, as we came into 2023, then reflecting those diminished market returns for dairy products or for the basket of dairy products, um, a market correction had to. A market correction was taking place, but I guess that correction also, unfortunately, for for dairy farm, farmers and from the industry, meant that that depreciation, if you like, had to be reflected in milk check because the milk check, as a, at that time, was no longer reflecting what was what, what was actually attainable from the marketplace, and hence we saw, you know, a, a fairly difficult year last year, in part because milk checks um, had to realign with where the market was, but also not to discount the 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 um, challenges around food inflation. So while, whilst one thing was going down, other things were going up. Mm -hmm. So I guess in a nutshell, that, that I hope with some kind of countenance or some kind of colour on what's happened over the course of the last three years and or three or four years at this stage. But again, I think it is really important to take uh, dairy and it's, it's, it's not exclusive to dairy or peculiar to dairy, but any commodity you kind of need to look at in over a course of five, if not more years, just to get a context of what has happened because 
one year's um, mackerel headwinds and tailwinds can feed into another. Um, and we have come out of a fairly volatile period um, for dairy at any rate. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, an excellent synopsis. And you'd hear it mentioned ultimately in terms of, you, you say there in terms of a switch and in terms of maybe how buyers were actually purchasing in terms of um, buying product um, and sitting on a certain amount of product. Like I know we spoke last week as as is some of that product in terms of you mentioned that maybe is actually only filtering through the system towards the end of maybe 2023 and into early 2024. Can you just comment on that? Yeah, sure. Well, I guess there would have been a theory last year, I guess, and, 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 and I suppose in support of why markets were so weak that, you know, you know, there, there was probably, probably, um, inventories were higher maybe than, um, demand could keep up with, if you know what I mean. So in other words, Buyers had, as I said, during the COVID period for for quite some time, switched their buying behaviour from for, from a buying just in time, so just having enough stock, you know, to keep you going versus what your demand needs were. And they switched from that to a just in case, and that, as I said earlier, was all kind of born out of you could call it panic or uncertainty or whatever, but you know the need to have stock, um, and a lot of it for fear of the unknown. Nobody really knew what was going to happen, and as it turned out. You know the the pandemic. You know, uh, I suppose was protracted for 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 a long period. I guess if you were a buyer in in that situation, and you bought very expensive stock, as it now turns out, versus maybe where we are today or more normal times, you know, you you would be wise and prudent to use that stock as much as possible before topping up again. So we've probably you know in a way gone full circle and and went from a just in case situation, which you know saw saw inventory maybe climb to levels where normally wouldn't be the case, filtering back to maybe a just-in-time situation um, over the course of the last six months, 12 months, where people, you know, uh, were, were working through that expensive inventory that they had in stock and only going out to the marketplace to buy more, you know, when they absolutely needed to. Um, that also obviously affected cash flow situation for many uh, companies during the, during the pandemic and coupled with inflation, you know, that was a kind of like a perfect storm, you could say, maybe last year. If, we're, if we were having the same conversation last year, I think that would be probably a, a, a valid point at that moment in time. So, so yeah, I, I think, you know, we're hopefully in a more kind of state of equilibrium now. But again, as I said earlier, you know, the, the fundamentals of supply and demand are, are always the two to watch. And for us as a major exporter, as I said, over 90% roughly of our product gets exported every year. We always need to have a watchful eye on what's happening around the world and how that may affect us positively or negatively. Yeah, and that maybe brings us to uh, pr- probably the point that our listeners are are eagerly waiting to hear in terms of, I suppose, looking forward, um, looking forward to 2024, I suppose, in terms of where are those markets at? And I suppose what's, what's the outlook for the remainder of the remainder of the production year 2024? <laughs> Yeah, and look, it's a really difficult question to to answer, but I'll, I'll give it my best shot. Um, and going back to I suppose what I, what I just said, supply and demand. If you were to look at it on paper right now, the fundamentals I would say are probably slightly tilted to the supply side. By which I mean, you know, in terms of the forecast for global milk supply for twenty twenty four, appear to be quite flat. In other words, we, we're not expecting any major appreciations or growths on. The prod on the output that was the year that's just gone, twenty twenty three. That being that that being said, um, and if demand you know increases or you know if there's decent demand, that should infer 
that you know where demand maybe outpaces supply that 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 you know causes uh, markets to be um, buoyant or or more bullish to use kind of economic language um i guess the, the big question mark here is demand okay so so you know demand is something and we i think we briefly mentioned china earlier on and you know one of them china is a major i suppose um contributor to demand sentiment it's not the only one but it's a major one and I suppose we haven't seen China kind of dip back into the market um, in a majorly meaningful way yet. Now they have come back; that that's true. And they're, you know, as I said, they don't operate in isolation either. But the key, an- the key question, or the key answer to your question, really, is that is that ratio or, or that balance or imbalance of it maybe between supply and demand. So I guess if I had to put a, uh, you know, if a, to be asked the question then in terms of what does that mean for outlook for the remainder of the year. Um, and I, I mentioned to you earlier, James, I, we're here at Gulf Food this week in Dubai. It's a major international trade show, and it's one that's heavily, um, I suppose, visited by um, dairy companies from all over the world. And, and we have six exhibiting with us here this year. The sentiment this year, I think, is certainly more positive than it was last year. I probably, you know, encapsulated by saying it's, it's cautious optimism. The volatility hasn't gone away. Volatility will be here to stay. But certainly the the outlook, I think, and the current sentiment is leaning much more in favour of you know a better year than last year. In the last week alone, since we spoke last, we have seen pent up demand for butter in particular. Um, so so that's positive. Um, the key question there is, you know, is this representative of you know true demand, and will it continue, and how long will that continue into the future, or is this just a kind of a you know a blip that you know maybe a few buyers have left themselves short, and there was a kind of a as I said, pent up demand towards the back end of last week. But I suppose to succinctly answer your question, I think, yeah, cautious optimism is is where we are at at the moment. It's still very early doors. It's gone past the middle of February. We're still um, not into our main production season yet. But yeah, I, I think if I had to hang my hat on it, that's, that, that's where I would at this moment in time. Okay, very good. Uh, one other question maybe I have uh, for you, Margaret, is and you'll you'll see it a lot in terms of in farmer groups and stuff. Um, looking at very di- various different indexes, uh, global indexes and and milk pricing indexes. I suppose, the, for example, the GDT, the PPI, um, the Dutch index. Um, where ultimately does that information come from, and what impact does it have on? Irish farm gate milk prices or is is there one particular index that farmers maybe should be looking at over a period of time um, that gives us a better prediction in terms of Irish farm gate milk prices? Yeah, no, it's, it's a great question um, and it's a very timely one because there is a GDT event uh, due out any any moment now and I know that um, all my colleagues in the industry who are at the show across the road from where I am now will be eagerly looking at the, at the GDT this week to see um where where things land um it's a good question and i suppose it depends on your it depends on where you are within the supply chain so if you're a major exporter um as as distinct as you know from a, a dairy farmer um exporters and buyers will look at these indices um uh as a as look as a gauge uh, as to where markets are uh, and where markets potentially are going now ultimately their conversations between buyers and sellers will be you know they they're they're the true litmus test of of where markets are going so you know i wouldn't always rely on a, on an index far from it to kind of to you know to pinpoint where what what's happening in a market but you know you, i mentioned and you mentioned the gdt and the and, and the dutch and the eex as well um again it probably depends on where your products are are being sold so for example 
there would be a strong maybe um, Asian and Southeast Asian and Chinese um, uh, buying uh, patterns associated with with the GDT and you know maybe a kind of heretofore anyway um, uh, a lot of Oceanian product sold within that within that auction closer to home then we have the likes of the EEX which is typically I think an average of um, European prices over the previous week and also the the Dutch Dairy Board quotation that comes out every Wednesday as well. So I suppose again, it depends on your point of view. But you know, from from um, a farmer perspective, look, the, the, they're all informative. Um, I guess from a processor and exporter perspective, you'll kind of want to maybe not be too reliant on one. You've got you're going to want to take all that data in the mix as well as those conversations that, and that tacit knowledge that you have about the markets, how they normally operate, uh, as well as those conversations that you're having with your customers. Arguably, you probably would say that maybe, or arguably you could suggest that the European indices are closer aligned to Ireland. There, there's nuances within that as well. For example, we are an island. We have no, we have to ship or you know product off the island to to, to move it anywhere. Um, whereas those prices often quoted in the indices in Europe, you know, they're maybe ex-works continental Europe. So, you know, they're not necessarily reflective of, you know, what 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 a price would be to an Irish uh, exporter were they to export um, or, or or sell to, to to buyers on the same basis. So, look, I guess in the round, I think they are very informative. There are definitely tools that are used by the industry and they manage risk to a degree. But it's probably a combination of one or, or probably a combination, sorry, it's probably a combination of... Um, all of them or a select few of them that you'd probably choose to maybe hedge your bets on. But certainly they are they are um, utilised by the industry en masse um, and globally, not just not just at home in Ireland. One last word, if you were to say something to farmers in terms of um, the 2024 markets, uh, just to wrap it up with regard to milk price. I don't think I could ask you in terms of giving me a farm get milk price, but I'd say... Um, uh, I'd say you, you you ultimately aren't going to give me that. So maybe, maybe one last word in terms of, look, at farmers are, 2023 was was a difficult year in terms of costs remained high as we spoke about that market correction. Costs uh, obviously are going to remain relatively high in terms of the predictions for, for 2024. A lot of farmers will be doing budgets, so on and so forth. So maybe one last comment for farmers on the ground. Yeah, look, I think to sum it up, I think we're in a better position than we were last year. Uh, I think sentiment is going in the right direction. And again, not not I know I'm at, sounding like maybe a broken record at this stage or in, in danger of repeating myself, but I think we're, we're, we're going forward with optimism, albeit cautiously. Um, we don't like to see these spikes in the market, but any any appreciations are, are most welcome. And that has been reflected, I think, in, in, in milk checks most recently in, in the last week or so. That's it for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast. And many thanks to Margaret Butler for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm James Dunn and join us next time for your Dairy Edge. <laughs>